to the listener through the story that is being shared. And in here and in this place, the stories take on a whole new meaning because not only are we connected to one another in those stories, but we become connected to the great storyteller, God. The one who is writing his story on the hearts of every single one of us. And we hope and we pray that as these stories are shared today, that it would do two things. That it would encourage you, but that it would also engage within you a deep passion for embracing your story. Because we all have one. I have one. These students have one, and every single one of you has one. And our individual stories are important. And when we embrace them and understand that God has given us these stories for a purpose, great, amazing things begin to happen. But the greatest adventure doesn't begin until we take those individual stories and we connect them with the larger story that God is telling through our hearts the greatest story that will ever be told that he is writing on the pages of creation right now. We are all a part of it. And so we pray that today you will be encouraged and you will be given passion to embrace your story. We are so thankful for a church family that loves us in such a way that they give us opportunities to to not only stand up here and share with you, but to go and have those experiences in order for us to then share with you. Without this church family, none of these stories would be being shared today. So first and foremost, I just want to say thank you. Many of you are sponsors through your financial gifts. Many of you are prayer partners and pray for us regularly. And many of you give of your time. And without every single one of you, these stories would not be possible. And so from the bottom of our hearts in student ministry and from the bottom of the hearts of each student that's going to share today, we thank you for this opportunity. Now enjoy the stories, and hopefully you can find a way to connect yours to one of these. Great. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jillian Gardner, and I'm a high schooler here at Church of the Palms. About a year ago, I decided to take a risk and join Sarasota Young Voices. Being a reserved person, I imagined myself sitting in the back, singing quietly, and avoiding all social contact. That's pretty much the way it played out until I decided to take another step forward and tour Paris with the chamber choir. I remember pretending to be full of excitement, when in reality, I was slightly terrified and worried. What if my voice isn't good enough? What happens when the girls realize how strange I am? Will I make any friends? For a while, all I could think about were the what ifs. After being in France a few days, everything changed. A small group of us was having lunch on Montmartre, discussing how useful speaking French would be when I announced, I know some French. Je suis un petit champignon. It means I'm a little mushroom. (laughs) The friend sitting next to me convinced me to repeat it in different voices, dramatic, angry, sad, and serious. Realizing I had just completely let my inner weird out, I braced myself for the stare I so often get, the one that says, wow, you're interesting. Instead, I heard laughter from the Parisians behind me. 
We all joined in, and soon enough, the footage was posted on Facebook. The rest of the choir began calling me Little Mushroom, giving themselves nicknames like Little Bread and Little Cheese. <laughs> they had embraced me, and shocked as I was, it didn't take me long to break out of my shell. Looking back on that moment, it seems silly and insignificant, especially since we had so many once-in-a-lifetime opportunities to focus on. Most importantly, our performances in the Notre Dame Cathedral and American Church in Paris. But even after experiencing all the attractions like the Louvre, the Opera House, and Versailles, I can still remember and treasure the little mushroom story because it reminds me to have confidence. Confidence in God, that he will love me no matter what. Confidence in others, that they will accept me for who I am. And I've learned to have confidence in myself. For as it says in Proverbs 3:26, the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. I went into the trip feeling alone and came back with 13 girls I can consider my family. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Julia Weber, and I'm going into, or in eighth grade, and I would like to share a little bit about my experience from student life camp. After driving about two and a half hours to Deland, Florida, we got to the beautiful campus of Stetson University. The five short but fulfilling days I was there were truly unforgettable. The three full days of camp, we did mission work in the morning to the afternoon. My group went to a nursing home to brighten the daily lives of the residents. Throughout the week, we built amazing relationships with the senior citizens, learning different things about them and listening to interesting stories they had to tell. Each night, we went to worship. Bellarive, a Christian worship band, led us each night before Darren Whitehead's sermon. All the nights singing and worshiping with Bellarive were so amazing. I really can't explain the feeling of God's presence and how strong it was. Every morning and every night, Bellarive sang, and every morning and every night, I would close my eyes and feel God inside me and around me. I had never experienced anything like it before. After Bellarive would sing, Pastor Darren Whitehead would preach these great sermons about stories of God in action. Most nights, I would bring my Bible to the sermons and write little things Pastor Darren talked about on the pages, things that put me into a new perspective. Pastor Darren talked a lot about finding your awakening and God opening our hearts. I've now learned to be thankful for all the good God gave us in life. I really thought about everything God has done for us. I thought about it really hard, and I'm so grateful. I built so many relationships with so many amazing people, and I'm very thankful for the people I got to share this experience with. Our main theme for camp was, who do you say I am? Jesus asked Peter this, and he said, you are the Messiah. We worked on finding out, who is Jesus to you? For me, I feel Jesus is the light, metaphorically. John 1.5 says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. When I read that, it reminds me that God will always be here for me. Even in the darkness, he will never fail us. He is that light. Overall, this camp has been one of the best experiences of my life. God has truly opened my heart and awakened me, and I will never forget that. Thank you. Good morning. How many of you have heard of the word Montreat mentioned at our church before? Show of hands, everyone. All right, most of you. Um, you probably know that it's a church camp that our uh, our teens and high schoolers go to in the summer, but it is so much more than that. Picture this, beautiful North Carolina mountains and 
our camp is a, it's a college campus on a peaceful lake, the most peaceful lake you have ever seen. Near the bottom of the, okay, and then you pass by the lake on the way to the Huck, on your way to the small group, on your way to Anderson. The Huck is short for the Huckleberry Cafe. It's where you get ice cream, it's where you meet and talk to new people and people from other churches. There are tons of other churches there, from North Dakota, South Carolina, Virginia, North Carolina, Georgia, and even some Florida churches. Um, one of the best memories I had from Montreat was when we went to dinner with uh, friends from Rockingham, South Carolina. You know Rockingham, uh, Ricky Bobby, NASCAR, all that, and uh, some great Christian friends. We went to their house and joined them for Thanksgiving Thursday with turkey, mashed potatoes, the whole thing. We had some great food and some good conversations. Next, yeah, the Anderson is where we meet Sunday evening and every morning and night for worship. Uh, all of the teens and adult leaders meet from all churches, gather, and it is very exciting and energetic. We see you get to see people from past years and meet new ones. Um, during, at the lake is where, it's like the central gathering point. At the bridge is where every kid the first night just goes, meets, yells out numbers. The number is the number of your small group that you're assigned, and it, at your small group, it's just tons of kids that you have never met before. And like, you have a small group and you just don't know any of them. It's really, really awkward. Like, but it is, it is pretty easy and nice, like, how quick and comfortable, like, you get to share your story and how close you get to them. Um, you get to discuss things from the worship, and you get to realize how similar, and you get to connect with them and by the stories they shared. This is a quote from my speech teacher, that uh, if you know someone's story, you can't help but like them. Also... Montreat has a talent show. Me and my friend Connor and Jeff, our youth pastor, got to sing the blue. We got to sing some Blues Brothers, Soul Man. Uh, uh, as the Blues Brothers, a uh, year ago, I would have never considered getting up on stage and singing and dancing in front of thousands of people. But you know, I, I got more comfortable with it as it went, and we practiced a whole lot. And I would much rather be singing and dancing than uh, giving this speech here today. <laughs> so let me leave you with this. It's Bible verse, Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Montreat is the place that helps build my foundation for God's plan. Thank you. Hello everyone, my name's <laughs> Woo! Okay, my name's Emma Turtle. So I have three minutes to tell you about Nicaragua, but I could honestly tell you about it all day. Let me start off with the Nicas. That's what they call the Nicaraguans in, well, Nicaragua. They're honestly the most kind, loving, hospitable, and compassionate people you will ever meet. They make you feel so welcome. On my trip, I experienced God every single day. It was just so undescribable. His light and was just so enrapturing in me. Our theme for our trip was light, and that was a pretty great theme because I experienced light numerous times. 
One of the days I was there, I think it was a Thursday, we went into this woman's house and did morning Devo, like we did every morning before we went to the mission site. We were all sitting in a circle on the floor, Jeff singing, and one of the Nikas, Luis, playing the guitar. And we all had these cute little booklets with um, lyrics written in English and Spanish in them. I looked around the room, and I saw the light shining in. I just looked around and saw everybody smiling and singing and enjoying themselves. I thought at that point there was nothing else in the world that could make me more happy. I was just so content. I kept looking around the room, and all of a sudden, tears were rolling down my face. I thought, this is pure bliss. This is what heaven looks like. And it made me not want to ever leave. There were so many other amazing experiences I had, but another one that was really important to me was the night we went to the labyrinth. We all were told one night to grab our flashlights and meet outside in 10 minutes. I was really excited. I thought we were going to make some s'mores on a campfire or something, but I was in for a surprise. We got to the labyrinth, and Martha told us that to go in one by one, so I volunteered to go first. I don't know why. She also told us um, that the path will lead us to the cross. I started on the little pitch black path with my flashlight, and I wasn't scared at all, which is really weird because I'm pretty scared of the dark. I even closed my eyes at a point because I just felt the Lord's presence. I mean, I ran into a bush, but it was still pretty great. <laughs> As we grew deeper into the labyrinth, the, there was music. I was confused. I was like, where is that coming from? But as we got closer and closer to the cross, the music and singing became louder and louder, and you could see through the bushes the light of the cross. As we entered, all of our young life leaders were sitting around the cross, singing and praying and some even crying. It was just amazing. I got down my knees and prayed. Again, just undescribable how much I felt the Lord and his love and just looking around and seeing how everybody felt that as well. The next night, I went to the labyrinth again, but this time just with Connor and Natalie. We didn't go through the maze part because it was dark and scary, so we just went to the cross. I remember just laying down on the nice grass and looking up at the stars. It was so beautiful. Just There was no lights or anything, so the stars were just shining so bright. More stars than I've ever seen in my whole entire life. One second. <laughs> and I remember I was just thinking and hoping and wishing that I could bring all that I've learned and who I've become in Christ back to the States. And I kid you not, a second later, a shooting star shot across the sky. Nicaragua was the experience of a lifetime, the best week of my whole entire life. I've made friendships and relationships within our church, the Nikas, and God. These are memories I'll never forget. Thank you. Good morning. Oh, I'm kind of bummed I had to go after Emma. Uh, <laughs> thinking about the Nicaragua trip gets me all emotional. <laughs> um, uh, my name is Natalie Huey, and I am a junior at Riverview High School. Whoop, go Rams. <laughs> we lost that game Friday, kind of. That was a bummer. But um, I had the opportunity this summer to go on both the Montreal and Nicaragua trips, and we did focus, as Emma said, on being the light, and that was my biggest inspiration for finding my place with God. And I believe that God wants us to be the light and to share our light with everyone we encounter. And so that was basically my inspiration for this writing that I'm going to be sharing. So here we go. Shaky. <laughs> okay. 
Praying is ancient and honorable, so why should I not sit on the hillside every morning of my life, looking over into the shining world? Can one be passionate about the just, the ideal, the sublime and the holy, and yet commit to no labor in its cause? I don't think so. All summations have a beginning. All effect has a cause. All kindness begins with the sown seed. Thought buds towards radiance. The gospel of light is the crossroads of passion and action. Be ignited or be gone. He who is the light of the world has called us out of darkness to glow in his footsteps. Whether in the dimness of the daisies or the fire burning in the sky, we must shine. Fragile humans we are, learning as we go our way, suffering the errors of the ant on rainy days, when a drop of water breaks the direction of the fixed path. Your face blankets the seriousness of the path. But even so, where will the dreamers walk? Lift up your eyes and see the ample land. See the trees set in green and the brittle sand. Sing out the way the sun would sing, if the sun could sing. If light had a mouth and a tongue. If the sky had a throat. If God wasn't just an idea, but a shoulder and a spine. It was summer when I finally heard him and felt his spirit in my presence. First, I stood still. I thought of nothing, and then I began to listen. Then I was filled with gladness, and that's when it happened, when I seemed to float, to be myself, and I began to understand just what he was saying. And for a pure white moment, while gravity sprinkled upward like rain falling in reverse, it became difficult to tell just what it was that was singing. Such soft and solemn and perfect music does not last for more than a few moments. It's one of those places wise people like to talk about. One of the things they say about it, that is true, is that once you've been there, you're there forever. Be ignited and sing for your faith. Spread the good news. Be the light among darkness. Listen, everyone has a chance. Is it spring? Is it morning? Are there trees near you? and does your own soul need comforting? Quickly then, fly on your heavy feet. The song may already be drifting away. How can you help but grow wise with such teachings as these? The untrimmable light of the world, the oceans shine, the prayers that are made out of grass. It is possible, I suppose, that sometime we will learn everything that there is to learn. What the world is, for example, and what it means. I think this as I am crossing from one side of the river to the other in the summer, and the wild, caustic, tender roar of the rushing water is mocking me. As one who either knows enough already, or knows enough to be perfectly content not knowing. At my feet, the white-petaled daisies display the small suns of their centerpiece. There, if you don't mind my saying so, their hearts. Of course I could be wrong. Perhaps their hearts are pale and narrowly hidden in the roots. What do I know but this? It is heaven itself to take what is given, to see what is transparent, whatever the sun lights up willingly day after day, for example. I think this as I reach down, not to pick, but merely to touch, the suitability of the field for the daisies and the daisies for the field. Thank you.
Good morning. I'm Pastor Joe Davis. I'm the lead teaching pastor here in the Garden Worship Service. And I'm not sure you noticed, but I decided to wear my hair a little differently today. Actually, I'm Rachel Mallett. I'm 14 years old. I'm a ninth grader at Sarasota High. 
and I feel that God has been calling me to be a pastor, so I asked Jeff a while ago if I could give the message, and here I am, and I'm just praying that I don't mess this up. And for those of you that are watching this for the second and third times, I'm really sorry. (laughs) So about a month ago, I was daydreaming, and something reminded me of Christmas with my family up north somehow. So then I started reflecting on the whole ordeal, and I realized something. They were not loving. My grandparents can't seem to find a way to rekindle their romance, so they spend their time bickering, and a few others just don't seem to enjoy each other's company most of the time. Now, they all go to church, but I think we all know that there's a difference between going to church every week and living your life for God and reflecting his love. And I'm left to question whether or not they are. You can believe in God, feel love for him, and go to church, but that's not all there is. You have to take it a step further and be a disciple who loves God and everyone he created. You can tell when someone has accepted Christ and are being a disciple who's loving God and others as they should, and I just don't see that in some of my family. It hurts to see those I care for so far away from God, and Christians in general live with that mentality. We don't like to see people away from Christ, and when we see someone without a connection, we long to bring them into the church because we know that they're missing out on something wonderful. And that gives me the realization of the pain God has. He longs to bring his children in. I can empathize with God in which he's feeling a much deeper pain than mine, constantly, because billions of people who he cares for more than I can possibly feel for my family every day do not let him in and live for him. We are his favorite creation, and his love for us is painfully deep. Yet more than half of the earth doesn't even recognize his love nor reciprocate it. Just imagine if God didn't love us back. I love God with all of my heart. And if he didn't love me, I would be beyond miserable. That's worse for him because he loves us way more than we could ever love him. And God always has this pain. It's okay to feel bad for God and comfort him because he too feels suffering. So reach out to him and love him and make sure he knows how much you love him because even though he's almighty and so powerful, doesn't mean he shouldn't be shown affection. And that's how we are living. Don't just bask in his love. It's still good to celebrate it, but reciprocate that love. Let him know. He knows already, but wouldn't he love to hear it? We all have someone in our lives that we know loves us. And don't we always want to hear them say it? Well, do that for him. Love him. Tell him you love him. Seriously, when you pray, just say, I love you, God. Now, everyone do it with me. I love you, God. You just made him really happy right now. And attempt to love him as much as he loves us. And try to understand and empathize with what he deals with. What I feel for my family leads me to wonder what God is experiencing and feeling. But just know, we don't need to fix God because there's no need to fix something that's not broken. If his pain was put on a single person, it would be unbearable and it would consume them. But on him, it's still there and it's present, but it doesn't change who he is nor lessen his ability to love us. I know it's hard to understand and see things from his perspective because he's God and we're human, but just have the knowledge that he is grief and what we can do is love him and bring a smile to his face. What brings him joy is a longing to understand him. Like it says in Jeremiah 9, 24, but let the one who boasts, boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. 
for in these I delight, declares the Lord. And you can take it a step further from getting it to showing it. Showing him love and showing others love because that's what being a disciple is about. Not only loving him, but loving others and showing others what it means to be a follower of Christ. God's pain contains three things. Grief for those who have strayed away from him, and which he hurts for them, knowing that a vital part of life is a connection to him. Another is not loving others, because he hurts to see those he loves not loving each other and bringing each other suffering. And the third is when those he cares for and loves immeasurably don't love him. That's even the first and second greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You can argue theology and what's right and what's wrong and what's a sin and what's not, but it all comes down to one thing, love. You're gonna see people sin, but if you judge them and show a disliking to them because of it, then you aren't any better because you sin. We become caught up in what a true Christian is and how they live their life, but all you have to do is look at Jesus. He loves. The Jesus way to handle any situation is to love. 1 Corinthians 16, 14, do everything in love. At Montreat, the theme is rooted in reaching. So something that I'm personally trying to grow in my faith and reach for is loving all of God's people because he loves me so much but he also loves every single person that much. And I know as a disciple, I need to love all of God's children. I don't have to particularly like them or want to be friends with them, but I do need to love them, if that makes any sense. So let's take a look at the theme verse for my life right now. John 13, 34 through 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all will know you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. But that's also something I can't do on my own, or instantly for that matter. So I've been praying and praying to love, so I can grow in my love for God. I suggest to those that realize that's something you would like to work on, to constantly pray and strive for that. Also, when you are loving, you are reflecting to others what God is about, and what his people are like. You don't want to turn people away from God by giving them a false representation of what he stands for. Doing so will also draw others towards him, which will bring him joy. That's killing two birds with one stone. Going back to the idea of God's pain, know that he is the most pain and suffering than anyone. He constantly carries all of what we have to deal with and also has pain of his own, which I mentioned earlier, consisting of his favorite creation at loving him, us not loving each other, and seeing his children far from him. So if the most good, loving, truthful, graceful, and mighty man has an abundance of pain much, much greater than all of ours, then who are we to expect to be free of pain? Even after we have given our lives to God and start becoming who he wants us to be, life won't be breezy. His burden doesn't exactly affect him as it would affect us, but it's still beyond imaginable in our eyes. The Bible tells us in Matthew 11:30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Which is saying that our pain doesn't weigh the same to him as it does to us. But he's perfect. He doesn't deserve to have any pain at all. So we're gonna face things that we don't exactly deserve all the time. He shouldn't have to put up with this, but he does. And we will with our burdens. It's okay for us to grieve over it and feel sadness, 
Just don't think in any way we shouldn't have to go through whatever it is we're going through. Delight is given to God when those that have turned away from him or have not quite found Christ return to him. That's his favorite thing. This completely surpasses any amount of pain he has. It's opposite for us. A great deal of joy, a great deal of pain overpowers a great deal of joy. In his case, joy crushes pain. And when the lost is found, he has brought a huge amount of joy. And that's where his hope comes in. He knows what's to come and what choices we'll make, but he still contains hope. Have you ever watched a movie for the second time and something bad or embarrassing happens to one of the characters and you're just sitting there hoping it'll turn out differently the second time? Well, that's what it's like for him. He knows what's to come, but he still contains hope. It's a confusing thing to think about, but so is God. What we can do with the knowledge of his pain is a number of things. We can love him. We can tell him we love him. We can pray for the strength to love all, then love all. Exhibit to others that God is love. Be a disciple. Long to understand him. And pray that those that have not found him or have turned away from Christ come to him. God has pain. We can't change that. But we can do something. So go and do this. Don't tell me you have a reason not to.